Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Morning. The reading is taken from Mark chapter 4, verses 21 to 34. He said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, you put it on its stand. For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has has will be given more. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, but when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you so much, Ninma. I wonder whether you've ever found yourself in a situation where you just can't see God working. Perhaps it's been a situation in your family, perhaps it's with your kids, you've been You've been praying for your children for years and years that they would, would come to Christ or that they would stick with Christ. And you've loved them and you've shared your faith with them and you've shared your church family with them. But, but somehow nothing has really stuck and they're not walking with the Lord right now. It may be the same with a close friend that you've prayed for. Perhaps it's with your spouse, which can be so painful. And you're struggling to answer this question, where is God working in this situation. Perhaps you've been struggling with a particular relationship for many years and you feel you know God's will, you, you feel he's calling you to forgive, to reconcile, to love. You've been trying to do that. You've come endlessly and desperately to him in prayer. You're sure he doesn't want it to continue as it is, but it never seems to make progress. You just can't see how the Lord is at work. 
Or, again, it might be a health struggle well before time. Or perhaps it's a set of unfair circumstances that show no sign of resolving. Or perhaps it's when you look at the the world more broadly, things on a national or global scale, famine, ecological meltdown, and you just think, "I, I can't see God at work here. Now, I mention all of these things not as abstract theological problems, because that's not really how they present to us. They're challenges for our faith, aren't they? We like to see God work in tangible ways. When he does, it encourages us, and when he doesn't, well, it can shake our confidence. Now, how are we supposed to think about it when that happens? Well, in the verses of scripture that we've just had read, we go back 2,000 years to another group of Jesus' followers who I think were faced with very similar questions. They were looking for the kingdom of God. They wanted to see God's rule stretch visibly to the ends of the earth. And they read their scriptures. They believed God was going to achieve this through the nation of Israel. Now, by Jesus' time, of course, Israel's glory days, the days of King Solomon and King David, they were long gone. The Romans had uh, the nation of Israel firmly in their grip. They'd installed their their puppet king, and Israel was just one of many puppet kingdoms in the Roman Empire. So just for God to reestablish Jerusalem's glory, already that would have seemed like a massive long shot. To imagine how somehow this little nation of Israel was going to revive, kick out the Romans and, and, and lead again. But if that was a stretch, imagine what it was like to hear Jesus' teaching. Jesus said to people, look, forget the religious national hierarchy. They're no good. Instead, come to me. Come to me over here in my little backwater in Galilee. Follow me. I am bringing the kingdom of God. I, the carpenter's son, am going to make this happen. Now, granted, Jesus, of course, had done some pretty amazing things. He had, you know, he healed people. He'd cast out demons and so forth. He wasn't any old person. But still, the disciples must have wondered, is that really it? Is this Jesus really going to bring the kingdom of God? Is that really how God works it must have felt at times a whole like a load like watching someone on a pier or something with, with a bottle of red food dye and a pipette just, just coloring the sea. One day it'll go red. Is that really how God works? Well, as we come to this next chunk in Mark's gospel, we come to a group of little parables that I think speak directly to the question. And I want to focus on the two of them, the last two in particular. And they both have something in common. They both start with something like, this is what the kingdom of God is like, or what should we say the kingdom of God is like? So they're going to give us a sense of what to expect, of how God works, so that when we see it, or indeed when we don't see it, as it sometimes turns out, we can still be encouraged. And I'm really praying that as we think about that together, we're going to gain both peace in the thick of the often unremarkable, if not invisible, realities of the kingdom of God, but also hope for what God might do beyond. 
So two ways I think the kingdom of God grows in these parables. The first one is that the kingdom of God grows mysteriously. The kingdom of God grows mysteriously. And that's what stands out, I think, from the parable of the growing seed. I'm going to just remind you of it. It's uh, verses 26 to 29 in Mark 4. Jesus also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Now, if you were here last week, this will be kind of familiar uh, territory, hopefully, the scattering of the seed. So the seed is Jesus' message. It gets spread out into people's lives, and it produces a crop. Those who receive that message, they, they grow, their lives get changed. The message gets multiplied, they share it with other people. But this shorter parable has got its emphasis somewhere slightly different. And it's all about the mystery. Did you notice that that funny verse, verse 27? He says, night and day, whether the sower sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. Whether Whether he sleeps or gets up. First thing, the growth is utterly independent of the sower. The sower can be snoozing, he can be snorkeling, still the seed grows, regardless. And so it is with the kingdom of God. We we share the message of Jesus. We are not party to the inner workings of what happens when that message lands in someone's heart. How How do you bring someone to life in Christ? Well, the answer is you don't. You don't. How do you change a person's heart to love Christ more? How do I make all you people love the Lord? I don't. I don't. We absolutely have to share the message. But heart change, the real stuff, the business of the kingdom, that is above our pay grade. The bit where someone comes to see Jesus as their king, when they come into the kingdom and say, yes, you are my king, I want to serve you. That happens utterly independently of us. That's one part of the mystery. It's independent. The second thing the sower is notable for is that he doesn't understand. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. We came back from our summer holidays to see our, our, our dahlias had ballooned. They were absolutely huge. Now, granted, we know a fair bit more about biology these days, and I guess theoretically I could have explained what had happened there. We had quite a bit of rain and so on and so forth. But still, I don't know about you, I think most of us still get that sense of marveling, a wondering, when we see the growth in the natural world. It's just quite mind-blowing, isn't it, that somehow that little thing just suddenly grew. And that's true about the kingdom of God, too. We don't fully understand Why did that person really take off in their faith at that point in their life when they were least likely to? And then they were kind of going nowhere after a while when that happened, when you would have thought it would be much more likely they would grow. Why did the Lord allow that happen to my daughter and not that? How exactly is that trial that I'm going through, how is that really going to bring about God's purpose in my life, the life of my family today? Why is the gospel growing so vibrantly in the rest of the world, and particularly the global south, but it's retreating so rapidly in the west? Why do we have people from nations to whom we brought the good news of the gospel coming back to us and saying, you've forgotten. What are you doing? 
Some of it we grasp, and much of it we don't. But that is the way of the kingdom of God. And finally, the growth also has its own momentum. Verse 27 again, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, although he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. All by itself. I remember a, a striking moment for me when I was at theological college and the, uh, the vice principal was, was talking to all the students. And he said this, he said, we are so looking forward to what the word of God will do in you. And there was a wonderful humility about what he was saying. So he, he wasn't saying, look, we're really looking forward to when you guys sort of get up to our level, because obviously we know a lot and, you know, you might one day sort of get somewhere near. No, actually, he was kind of looking forward to those who were studying there growing way beyond any of their teachers. I'm looking forward to when you, when you exceed me in your devotion to the Lord, when you fly past me in your desire for mission, when your radical Christian living and your service just leaves me standing. And I say that because that's the way I feel about this ministry here, myself personally. I hope we all do. I hope we all have this excitement. What is this powerful word of the Lord going to do among us? How is he going to invisibly, imperceptibly often, or in a way at least that we don't fully understand, how is he going to change us? How is he going to shape us by his word? Now, in time, we're going to, I guess, probably come to refresh our vision and strategy as a church. It's probably good to do that from time to time. And I'm personally convinced that churches need kind of clear goals and plans. It's useful. But because the kingdom of God grows beyond our understanding, in a sense, our vision and strategy is, is a little bit to the side. Basically, our vision and strategy as a church is mainly to do what we always did before, which is share the message of Christ, pray. If you want to do that, come on Wednesday evening. You can do it at home as well, obviously. Um, and watch that message take root in people's lives and do its work. Do its extraordinary work, wherever that may lead. That was a wonderfully exciting thing to be part of. So how does the kingdom of God grow? Number one, it grows mysteriously. One last story on that before I go on. Uh, before I was ordained, I was a, uh, uh, worked in school chaplaincy. And one of my abiding memories was uh, the local director of Gideon's came um, to speak. And the Gideon's would give everyone in the first year a little read New Testament and Psalms, and they'd, they'd come and present it and, and speak. And he stood up in front of these 150 kids, and he said, uh, uh, let me tell you a story. When I was 13, I remember sitting about there, and just being rather bored and not really paying any attention. And then when I was about 15, I remember sitting over there, and thinking, Jesus, this is interesting about Jesus. I'm not quite sure, but I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm listening. And then when I was about 17, I remember sitting up there and thinking, I'm, I'm, fo I'm a follower of Christ. I absolutely want to follow Christ. He'd had, there was a particular teacher who had significant impact on him. But it's the next bit that, that he said that really struck me. He said, you know, I told absolutely no one about any of that. In five years, no one would have had the slightest idea that an amazing spiritual transformation was happening in this young boy between 13 and 18. And 
for me as a school teacher, that was a, that was a wonderful hope. If there's anyone here who's in schools, you know, and you're, you're trying to be a Christian with kids and lead them to the Lord, it's such an encouragement. We need to pray for our, our school teachers. It's such an encouragement to think you may see nothing of what goes on and a great deal might be going on. But actually more broadly, there was that encouragement to believe that what God is doing, what God may be doing, may be under the surface for a very, very long time. We may never see it ourselves, and yet it may still be happening. So the kingdom of God grows mysteriously. And secondly, and more briefly, the kingdom grows mini-megalously. Mini-megalously. And yes, that is a shamelessly coined new word because I ran out of imagination and the, the, the thesaurus didn't work. And I could, someone will tell me this morning, well, the word you should have used was this and I will receive that graciously. But anyway, this is what I'm trying to capture, okay? The growth of the kingdom starts small, mini, but ends big, mega, right? The growth of the kingdom, it grows mini-megalously. That's the point of the next parable. Mark chapter 4, verse 30. Again, Jesus said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parables shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and it becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. Now, I don't know about you, I don't have a lot of mustard seeds around my place usually, uh, but uh, I do know that they are very, very small. And you look at it and you think, how could anything of any significance, of any size, ever come from that? But in the end, they turn out to be quite big plants, big enough for birds to come and sit in the branches. They grow mini-megalously. They start very small and they end up big. And so it is with the kingdom of God. Now that is really important to know and believe, isn't it? Because so much of the activity of our lives as Christians, certainly my life as a Christian, is definitely in the mini category. We spend our lives doing mustard seed type things. A mustard seed gesture of kindness here. A mustard seed prayer for a loved one here. A mustard seed kind of unremarkable, slightly anxious attempt not to engage in any office gossip. A mustard seed attempt at sharing the good news rather falteringly with someone who, not even sure where they heard it, they certainly weren't very engaged. But here's the thing, that's the way the kingdom grows. It starts from mustard seed moments. And ultimately, on the final day, that growth will become visible into the great tree of the kingdom of God. One day, mostly only on that day when Jesus returns, we will see the full picture of the way God's kingdom has been advancing. Often only on that day will we see how the different strands of our lives, the different dimensions of reality, the different histories of the peoples, all the stories of human history have been brought together to meet together in the kingdom of God in which Jesus is ultimately 
and universally recognized as king. But one day that will happen. Every part of creation will say Jesus is Lord and there is absolutely no doubt about it. Every soul will bow down whether they want to or not. And that's important to recognize because that means that in the midst of the Christian life, when it feels like the day of small things, you're like, ah, I knew I shouldn't have bothered with this Christian thing. It's not working, is it? That's the moment to remember that that mini unremarkable moment is par for the course. That is how the kingdom of God grows. William Young Fullerton wrote a hymn, a real favorite of mine, you may know it well, called I Cannot Tell. The third verse goes like this. I cannot tell how he will win the nations, how he will claim his earthly heritage, how satisfy the needs and aspirations of East and West, of sinner and of sage. But this I know, all flesh shall see his glory. And he shall reap the harvest he has sown. And some glad day his sun shall shine in splendor when he, the Savior, Savior of the world, is known. In that sense, the kingdom of God grows mini megalously. One more dimension I just want to share with you. We're about to come to share the Lord's Supper. I'm afraid we continue to be in that situation where we can share it in one kind only, so just the bread. And I know that's something that many of us have been missing. We value a great deal. But nevertheless, even as we do so in strange circumstances, we can remember the Lord Jesus. He is the greatest demonstration of the mysterious, mini-megalous growth of the kingdom. Where Where did it go? It went to the cross. That is the ultimate mustard seed moment insignificant, derided, failed. Everyone looks at him going, that's not the kingdom of God. See, he never was the real thing. But he didn't stay there, did he? He went in the tomb and then he burst out three days later and rose again to glory. The Lord Jesus' life himself is the great picture of the way the kingdom of God grows from small to world-encompassing. So just before we come to communion, I'd love us to just take a moment, time, to just think. What are the mustard seed moments in our lives that we need to see and recognize that this is part of the growth of the kingdom? What are the moments where we don't understand what the Lord is doing? We feel at a distance. We, we can't get in there. We wish we could, but we can't. And we need to just recognize Lord, you're the one growing your kingdom, and I'm not. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these wonderful visions of the way that your kingdom grows. And there is so much of it, Lord, that Even though you teach us, you teach us that we do not understand, we do not know, we cannot grasp. And so, Lord, we pray that we would have the humility to recognize what we can and cannot see and understand. We pray that you'd give us the courage and the resilience to keep going, even in the day of small things. And we pray that you'd give us the hope 
the desire, the longing, and the faith to know that one day that little mustard seed of faith will transform into a great big tree, the tree of the kingdom of God, in which every part of creation will recognize the Lord Jesus as he is. We pray all this in his name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week.